Hi, this is Erica Potter. And this is Hunter Willis. And this is Hot Girl Briefing. Hey, Erica. Hey, Hunter. What are we going to be talking about today on today's Keep It Brief? This Keep It Brief is a little bit different than our normal ones. I know we do our best to keep you guys up to date with all of the you know latest and maybe even things you might not have heard about that happened a few years ago. So we try to keep you up with all those news. But you know what's in common about all the news that we hear about? It's, it's almost sad. always kind of like negative. It's, you know, you're always hearing about all these bad things. And I get it, you know, sound bites. I get that's like kind of what sells. People want to see, maybe they don't want to see it, but that's what sells, I guess. And mm-hmm. so we thought that for today, instead of bringing you news of maybe what's going wrong with the world, why didn't we bring you news that of like good things that you might not have happened? might not have known happened because I can tell you most of the things on here I had no idea about because our news feed is just cluttered with all of the horrible things going on. Yeah, there's definitely a few here that I was not aware of. So I'm really happy that, you know, we actually get to go and talk about some more like fun things instead of like, oh, you know, more conflict here. There was a coup here. Oh, this person got assassinated, you know, not like, don't get me wrong, hot girl briefing, you need to be briefed on all the current events, you need to be briefed on everything. However, these ones are a bit happier, they're a bit more upbeat. So I'm pretty happy that we get to go and actually talk about these things today. Yep. So let's get into our five good foreign policy stories from 2021. Our main source is the Council of Foreign Relations, which you guys may have known. We talk about, we use the source quite a bit, it's very reputable. So uh, they great created this great little article about some of the good things that happened back in 2021. So we'll start off with our first one on an agreement reached on global minimum tax, which no idea that the world was working on that, but hey. So as we all know, finding cooperation collaboration for the entire world is a tricky thing to achieve considering we have hundred, like over 200 countries. So for many years, multinational businesses have tried to, quote, cheat the system and do just about anything to avoid paying taxes. We've definitely talked about that one. <laughs> yeah, literally I mean, anything to avoid paying taxes. Yeah. If you guys are unaware, go and check out our episode on the Pandora Papers. Um, that is a pretty solid, you know, episode. It's actually a two-parter talking about all the things that go on with multinational corporations really attempting to go and hide their wealth, hide their taxes so they don't have to pay their fair share. They go and say, oh, cool, we're going to set up in this country and we're going to run all of our profits through it. So we're going to pay a whopping zero dollars to this country, zero dollars to that country, or just pay like the bare minimums. And it's like, OK, well, like there's a lot of people in America that, you know, don't make anywhere near that. There's far less commas and you know their final end of the year like <laughs> how much they paid on their tax returns however you know they end up still paying more than these giant co- like these giant companies so here we are they're literally we- opening like offshore accounts going to tax havens and I'm yeah. like I'm overwhelmed by having more than one bank account <laughs> <laughs> and they're like imagine spread it out <laughs> well anyways since, the 2013, since 2013, the Organization for Economic Cooperation and Development has led talks on setting a minimum tax rate for large corporations to reduce tax rate shopping, and it would level the global playing field, because obviously, you know, some countries can maybe do a bit lower taxes than others. Mm-hmm. And finally, in June 2021, 
nine years later, eight years later. Sorry, guys. Math is a bit rusty. <laughs> Math is rough. We were humanities majors. We were not STEM. <laughs> yeah. So finally, in June 2021, the G7, which is the United Kingdom, United States, Japan, Germany, France, Italy, and the EU, agreed to back a 15% minimum global tax rate. They also agreed on rules for digital service taxes that would require technology firms like Facebook and Google to pay taxes wherever they sell their goods, even if they're not physically located there. That one's interesting because Facebook and Google are literally everywhere. Mm -hmm. And this took months and years to accomplish, especially when they were trying to win over historically low tax rate countries like Ireland and Estonia, which I didn't know Ireland and Estonia were low rate tax. Ireland, I was pretty aware of. Estonia, I was not aware of before. Yeah, and in early October of 2021, over 130 countries signed the deal, which was endorsed at the conclusion of the G20 summit. Mm -hmm. So now you have all those countries that just signed it and pledged to uphold the minimum tax rate. They will essentially have to rewrite their tax laws to match their pledge on this now. So it's follow through. Yes. So they yes. got the signature. Now we just need the follow through. Like, okay, y'all signed it. Are y'all really going to start rewriting these tax codes? Like, come on now. We'll, we'll, we, the proof is in the pudding. We got to wait yeah. till the pudding is made at this point. <laughs> like, we're still... We're waiting. <laughs> like, we're still waiting, but, you know, it did just happen. So I'll give them a little leeway. You know, as we all know, laws definitely take a bit of time. You know, that's very true. But that was fun and exciting. Something I had heard nothing about. And... To go into our next subject that happened or good policy story, which actually I think you, this one's good or bad, depending on how you take it and who you are and how you personally, view. I'm one of the, I'm kind of one of the bad camp members here. I'm not going to lie. Yeah. I was kind of like, when I first heard it, I was like, Oh, that's cool. And then I was like, wait a second. When think, has capitalism. A giant, <laughs> a giant leap for mankind. However, you know, I think it may be a step in the wrong direction, though. You know, I know that that's not exactly how that quote goes, but. Yeah, I looked at the pros and cons list and I'm like, I can see both. Mm -hmm. And my Gemini is coming out because mm -hmm. <laughs> I'm like, I don't know. There's The pros and the cons are pretty evenly weighed for me. Yeah. But Hunter, do Sorry. you want to go ahead and tell them what this what this topic that we're talking about is? Yeah. So number two is the commercialization of space travel. So like I said, I'm in kind of the bad camp. Um, that is just because, you know, the cost for it, not everybody's going to be able to do it. So yeah, it's, you know, humankind, we're going into like a new era, like traveling into space. Um, so in 2021, for the very first time, non-astronauts travel to space. Then this was through leading space tourism companies, whether this is Jeff Bezos's Blue Origin, Richard Branson's Virgin Galactic, or Elon Musk's SpaceX. So a total of 22 non-astronauts were sent off to vacay in space. So they got to go up, they got to hang out, chill, you know, be with their little besties for a few. Some of these non-astronauts include celebrated fight trainer Wally Funk, Star Trek actor William Shatner, TV personality Michael Strand, and Laura Shepard Churchley, the daughter of NASA astronaut Alan Shepard. So while they only spent a few minutes in space before coming back to Earth, it's a major breakthrough, absolute major breakthrough in regards to outer space. You know, so Blue Origin, SpaceX, and Virgin Galactic haven't said what they're going to be charging passengers in the future, but the costs are estimated to range from $125,000 as much as up to $60 million. So that's like, like a said, wide range. That is, yeah, a, you know, 
wine range. If I walked in somewhere and they were like, yeah, so this house is either going to go from $125,000 up to $60 million. I'm going to be like, first of all, what are you talking about giving me this type of a range? Like you can't, you can't commit to even like, whether it's a six or eight figure number here, you, we can't even commit to that much. Like, oh my God. But I think the 125K is doable. Like, would you, if you could travel to space and it's 125K, would you do it? I, you know, for a few minutes, I don't think so. If it was, you know, for like a couple of weeks and it was like a big vacation, sure. But a few minutes, Mm, I don't know. Also just like, you know, what kind of, what kind of gas mileage are we getting on this? Like how much am I ruining the planet by going up in this space for a couple of minutes? Like, yeah, that's the thing that kind of gets me about the space tourism. I'm like, you know, it's really cool that, you know, it opens the door for not only like normal people, like you don't have to be an astronaut to go into space, but like also maybe the potential to visit another planet. Like they just went into space. They didn't even land anywhere. They just like went up there. So Mm -hmm. I think it's like really cool. They opened the door, but also at the same time, I'm like, how environmentally damaging is that? And you don't even get to walk around on the moon for a minute. Like, come on now. So yeah, personally, I find this in the bad camp, but I do understand for humanity. Great thing. Great thing. Giant thing. You know, it's advancing human civilization forward. So, you know, I got, that's why we're, that's why it's on the list. So moving on from that though, Erica, what is number three? So we have Zambia holding it's a free and fair election, which, yeah, I, now that might sound like everyone's in the United States thinking like, what do you mean we have free and fair elect? Well, maybe not everyone, but (laughs) like free and fair (laughs) elections aren't uncommon to more developed nations like the United States and, you know, many countries in Europe, but for Zambia, it was definitely a monumental event. And I think we can like all agree that democracy was, it was not the best year for democracy, mm-hmm. honestly. From military coups in Africa that we've talked about, go listen to our Burkina Faso episode, to our very own capital insurrection in the United States, uh, many countries have not gone unscathed in 2021. So that's why we got to celebrate the Democracy W. It's a win. Yeah, it was a, it was a big year for democracy and its challengers. Yeah, for sure. And so in August, opposition leader Hakinaid Hichilima defeated incumbent President Edgar Lungu. Now, many had favored Lungu to take the win, but democracy prevailed. Mm-hmm. I know like Russia and China's like Western democracy. They're like, mm, these meddling kids. So a lot of people favored Lungu to win because he had increasingly banned political protests, shut down critical media outlets, and harassed opposition political figures. But Hichilima still came out victorious in such a divisive way that they they didn't even do an expected runoff election because it was so overwhelmingly majority for him. And this Mm -hmm. was actually his sixth bid for Zambia's presidency. So don't ever give up on your dreams, kids. This was the sixth time he finally won. I I mean, we've seen Bernie (laughs) going up for a few presidential runs now. I mean, yeah, here... He was such a leave on his sixth run and, you know, he finally got the presidency. I mean, that's got to be so exciting. I know. I would be like, about time. Mm-hmm. It didn't come without a fight, though, because Lungu did initially claim that the election hadn't been free and fair. Sounds like a sore loser to me, but yeah. <laughs> with surmounting domestic pushback and contradicting evidence provided by international observers, he did eventually concede, which kind of sounds a little familiar for us 2020 election people. Yeah. 
Um, and then, so one of the reasons that Hichilima was like, so, so, so divisively won was because since Lungu had come back into power in 2015, Zambia had been experiencing democratic decay, corruption, economic decline, which, you know, many African countries do face. And when Hichilima took over, oh, and there was also 58% po poverty rate too. When, mm -hmm. So when he took over and then they had defaulted on their foreign bonds in late 2020. And then he stated when he took over that he saw the country's treasury was literally empty, direct quote, literally empty, which makes me feel a little seen that mm -hmm. leaders will say literally. Sometimes I'm like, ah, a little too like, No, it was literally empty. Yeah, literally. <laughs> so, however, in a twist of good news, the International Monetary Fund, IMF, did tentatively agree to extend credit to Zambia. So while he definitely has a lot of work to do now that he has presidency, we can at least say he won fair and square and we've got some democracy going in Zambia, which has to be so amazing for all the people living there. And then, so we've got a W for Zambia. We've got a W for space breakthrough and for taxes. Mm -hmm. Gotta love that, so, it's tax season right now. So what is our fourth breakthrough, which I'm so excited to talk about? Yes. So the, our fourth breakthrough is in a completely different realm than the last three. This was the first malaria vaccine ever approved by the WHO. So in October, the World Health Organization approved the use of Muscurix, the first ever malaria vaccine for children. So developing a malaria vaccine has been a very long-standing scientific challenge, and it was not easy. So Erica, if you want to go in a little bit more and talk about this, we know that you have a bit of a health background, so I think you're a bit more qualified on the specifics of you talking about it than I am. Yeah, Hunter qualifies my three years as pre-nursing as a health background. <laughs> hey, it's a lot more than I had. I dropped out of pre-med before my first semester of college even started. So it's <laughs> true. And I have watched every episode of Grey's Anatomy. So I, I would consider You're myself pretty much a surgeon. A health background. No, but actually before right before I get into that, I just doesn't muscaric sound like mosquito, which is how malaria is transmitted a lot. I think I mean I could be wrong really creatively. I'm, I'm pretty sure mosquitoes do transmit malaria. Yes. The they need the vaccine after that. Mm -hmm. Okay. All right. So the CDC talked about what the challenges have been with the malaria vaccine. So they've actually been in development since the 1960s, which is hard to believe considering the fact that we had a COVID vaccine developed within like a year, mm -hmm. maybe a year and some change. But the obstacles of development include for malaria include a lack of a traditional market, few developers, and the most important one being the technical complexity of developing any vaccine against a parasite. And I don't know if you classify this as a fun tidbit. I'm going to classify it as just <laughs> a fun tidbit. I actually, when they said that, like things clicked in my brain because when I was younger, if any of y'all are familiar with addicting games, if you know, you know, yes, there was a yes. game on there and it was called Pandemic 2. It hits mm -hmm. a little different now to play it now that we're like going through pandemic, but I was obsessed with this game. Like I would play this game with Katy Perry's, the one that got away in the background for hours in my bedroom. And I remember you can select three different ways to infect the world. And you can either do bacteria, virus, or parasite. And I remember I would always select parasite because they were the hardest to form vaccines for. Like all our traditional vaccines that we are so used to are viruses. And mm -hmm. so the obstacles to create a vaccine for a parasite are just insane because parasites 
specifically malaria parasites as well, have a complex life cycle. And there's a really poor understanding of the complex immune system response to malaria infection. And malaria parasites are also much more genetically complex than a virus. So they produce thousands of potential antigens. Like we had like what, three, three, four strains of COVID and the opportunities for parasites to do that is just so much more. Mm. And also unlike normal vaccines available, exposure to malaria parasites doesn't give you lifelong protection like it would for a virus. Acquired immunity only partially protects against future diseases, but in many cases, people still become infected with the parasite and then it can go on for months without any symptoms. So we have, we have this vaccine, they're rolling it out. I mean, well, they probably haven't rolled it out yet. It was just developed, mm -hmm. but Hunter, do you wanna go and talk about a little bit more about our new malaria vaccine? Yeah, so Muscurix was developed by GlaxoSmithKline and lowers the risk of severe cases of malaria by 50% the first year with its effectiveness falling to nearly zero by year four. So currently there are an estimated 220 million cases of malaria each year. And from this, about half a million deaths. And so with this, the vaccine could prevent around 30% of these cases, which is clearly so much better than you know, the previous 0% that would be, you know, coming from not being vaccinated. So this vaccine will mostly impact Africa as that is where 95% of malaria cases are. And so this is a big win, big W for medical breakthroughs. The challenges faced now are with production, financing, and distribution. So like we were talking about earlier with the traditional market, you know, you have Africa as a lot of developing nations that don't necessarily always have the money to go and purchase these, you know, really expensive vaccines. So based on the pricing for this vaccine, that's where we're going to kind of see some difficulties come into play. But the W here is that, you know, the vaccine was even made at all and that it was approved by the WHO too. Yeah. So I think the CDC kind of like stays in its lane of talking about the medical implications on vaccine development. And so they didn't really mention this in the article, but I have to imagine that, again, because of the fact that malaria is 95% in Africa and it's not as developed, that was definitely probably a barrier to why it took so long. Like, think about it. That's like 60 years. It's been mm -hmm. like 60 years that they've been trying to work on this. But unfortunately, in more impoverished areas, like things don't move as fast as, say, like COVID, which did take over the entire world. Malaria isn't taking over the entire world, just like one continent. But those kinds of things definitely affect how do vaccines develop and how they get there. Again, that yeah. wasn't from the CDC source. That's just based on, you know, how my, my personal opinion, I should say. Yeah. I mean, if you had Europe or America being infected at large rates with malaria, then, you know, of course, there would have been a lot more funding, a lot more, you know, expedited processes to develop this vaccine. So it really is a big breakthrough that it's finally here and it's going to mean so much for, you know, possible infections of malaria and, you know, really driving this entire, you know, health issue down. Yeah. And our fifth major good policy news of this year or 2021, I keep forgetting it's 2022. Mm -hmm. is that global competitions and performances have returned, which honestly, I think the malaria one was kind of bigger deal, but it's I'd say a much bigger deal, much bigger deal. Yeah, <laughs> definitely. And just, so we have the global competitions and performances back. Now they kind of look a little different, but we again have seen the return of the high profile events that were canceled in 2020 due to COVID-19. 
For example, the Tokyo Olympics. We did an episode on it. If you haven't listened, go and listen now. Oh, I we talked we've to- done a lot of episodes on a yeah. lot of these topics. Yeah. Like, kind of like the obscure, like, you know, they're all related in some way. Yeah, we yeah, we didn't know these things. Like we're like, we did all these episodes, but yeah, we didn't hear about this. We didn't really put it in this context. Exactly. Well, we did the Tokyo Olympics episode actually before it like went on. So mm-hmm. we have some of the results. The US team won the most medals, which I didn't know, at 113 total medals, with 39 of those being gold. And we actually did better than the Chinese, who only got 88 total with 38 gold. I think that we did pretty solid. Yeah. For sure. And then Japan actually beat Team USA in the gold medal for both baseball and softball, even though those games were invented in America. So kind of a W for Japan in that sense. (laughs) Brazil dominated men's soccer to an absolute shock to nobody. (laughs) Yeah. And Canada actually won its first gold medal in women's soccer. Mm, Okay. That wasn't the only event that was, that wasn't the only event that was brought back though, Hunter. That was just the first one, why don't you talk a bit more about the events that came back alongside the Olympics? So the Euro Cup was brought back to where England lost to Italy, giving Azuri their first Euro Cup championship since 1968. Other events that have also returned are Wimbledon, the Boston and New York City Marathons, the very beloved from our home state, the Michigan versus Ohio State football game. Michigan won 42 to 27, so let's go blue. Go blue. Go blue. We saw Broadway reopen and we also saw the Lucerne Festival, the Salzburg Festival and the Edinburgh International Festival also coming back. So the world is getting back up and being social again. This is we are done with our, you know, shutting ourselves in. The world is back. We are starting to go out having these big events return. So 2021 ended on kind of a positive note in that regard. Yeah, and when our source, like, again, when our source mentioned the fact that Michigan won, they mentioned the Ohio-Michigan football game, I was tickled pink. Like, they could have mentioned so many other rivalries. I do admit that the Michigan-Ohio rivalry is so strong. Like, the Council on Foreign Relations went in to go and describe it. (laughs) (laughs) They report on the entire world, and they're like, Michigan and Ohio State, let's go. And I'm like, yeah. You're like, mm, all right, we yeah. see you with the Big Ten. Shout out. We see you. Well, all those that we just talked about aren't the only good news. There's some honorable mentions, and I'll do a little bit of a rapid fire, and then, Hunter, you can go in with a few. But I'll start us off with the African Continental Free Trade Area Agreement went into effect, a W for Africa. February 15th, the World Trade Organization organization chose Ngozi, or Gozi, I apologize if I mispronounce this, Okonjo Iwilia to become the first woman and African to lead the World Trade Organization's W for Diversity. In March, researchers at Brown University wirelessly connected a human brain to a computer, which could help people with paralysis, kind of like a Bluetooth action going on. Interesting. Mm-hmm. And in April, on April 20th, NASA rover Perseverance converted carbon dioxide to oxygen on Mars for the very first time. Mm-hmm. So then we saw on May 25th, Costa Rica became the 38th member of the Organization of Economic Cooperation and Development, GO OECD. June 30th, the WHO declared China to be malaria-free. So love that. They are no longer in need of the malaria vaccine now. Um, we saw on July 7th, China announced that giant pandas were no longer considered endangered. So W for pandas. 
In w China. for pandas, W for pandas, W for China. In August, electric and plug-in hybrid cars outsold diesel cars for the first time ever in Europe. We saw in September, China released two Canadians accused of spying after two and a half years in detainment. October, surgeon successfully attached a pig kidney to a human patient, a breakthrough for the many thousands of people waiting on organ transplants. On November 28th, Hondurans elected their first woman president, Xiomara Castro. And on December 6th, United Airlines flew the first passenger flight powered by 100% sustainable fuel. I, that last one about the 100% sustainable fuel, I didn't even know those possibility. I didn't even know they were working on it. And to hear that they were able to not only develop that, but then also put it into action with a passenger flight, W for United Airlines, W for climate change, just W's all around. This episode is the episode of W's. That's what this episode is. Absolutely. And so it's been so great to be able to tell you guys like all these good things, because it makes me feel kind of a bit better considering all the things that we've seen and heard in 2021 and 2020. And to kind of know that at least it wasn't all bad. There were some good things. And we are making progress in some areas. Like Zambia is clearly on the route. And I'm excited to see where they go in 2022. I'm excited to see where the malaria vaccine goes, how that helps with Africa. And I'm excited to see how we can continue to be better for the climate going forward. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was really good to have an episode that wasn't on, you know, these existential world threats for once. And that, you know, these. <laughs> There are some really positive things going on, even if you didn't hear about it due to media coverage of everything else going on, whether that is elections, whether that's, you know, what's going on in the Middle East with the U.S. presence and what was going on all summer, whether that is what is going on with the global pandemic, what's going on with Ukraine and Russia. There were some really good things that happened this last year. I know that Ukraine and Russia wasn't last year, but still my point being there's so many news headlines that are always taken up by a lot of the, you know, more troublesome things going on in the world. So there definitely are these really positive things going on and really positive for foreign policy and, you know, the international community at large, like the malaria vaccine, like these health breakthroughs that we're seeing, like these, you know, new climate possibilities of flying flights with, you know, a hundred percent sustainable fuel. There's so many things that are going on. So we will definitely be keeping y'all updated on all of these big events. Any updates that come along with any of them, we will be broadcasting them here at Hot Girl Briefing because all of the hot girls need a little bit more sunshine and rainbows at times. So we will definitely be staying on the updates for y'all. And let us know if you would like us to go more in depth with any of the topics that we covered, like space tourism. We could mm-hmm. maybe do an episode on that. Or maybe we could talk about the pig kidney to the human patient because I'm still, that's, I can't get over that. That's amazing as well. And mm-hmm. let us know if you liked kind of, this was more like similar to headlines, also just good news overall. But if you want us to talk more about kind of headlines and things that maybe don't break through the shiny surface of news outlets, like let us know because this was probably one of my favorite episodes we've done in a long time, aside mm-hmm. from with Professor Kubitschek. And I would <laughs> love to spread the positive news more to all of you and I'm sure Hunter you would agree oh absolutely yeah absolutely definitely let us know we can talk about it in the comments let us know we'll put up a poll on our Spotify so if you guys listen there definitely feel free to send us any suggestions on there as well 
And thank you all so much for tuning in for this episode. I think that pretty much covers this week's, you know, this today's episode. So Erica, do you have anything else to add before we say goodbye to our listeners? Nope. Thanks so much for listening. Make sure to follow us on Instagram. Give us a rate, review, and subscribe on Spotify and Apple Podcasts if you love us. And of course you do. So. Mm -hmm. (laughs) So thank you guys so much for tuning in and we will see you on our next episode. Bye. Bye.